This next interview is with Nancy Best, founder of Ladies Who Crunch, an online fitness community for women. Having become passionate about fitness herself, and in particular strength training, Nancy qualified as a PT by studying in her spare time, and she started her entrepreneurial life by taking on clients as a side hustle alongside her corporate job in PR, and would invite them to train at her home gym, which was initially her kitchen. By January 2018, she'd had enough clients to sustain going part-time at work and had saved enough money to convert her spare room into her fitness studio. By 2019, she decided to resign completely from her PR job to become a full-time PT, just a month before the pandemic began. Suddenly, she found herself completely on her own and not eligible to access any government pandemic support. However, this turned out to be a blessing in disguise, and Nancy tells us how she started Ladies Who Crunch and turned it into a brilliant business during this challenging time. Ladies Who Crunch members pay a monthly fee to access a wide variety of live and recorded workouts, as well as lots of other resources, including mental health guides, cook-alongs for family meals, in-person events, and a network of women truly supporting each other. She also donates a portion of her revenue to a female-focused charity or social enterprise every month, and has donated over £10,000 since she started. She's been featured in Women's Health, The Stylist Magazine, The Telegraph and The Independent and her website is ladieswhocrunch.co.uk. Her Instagram is full of useful content, ladieswhocrunch underscore. Nancy is a great example of someone who gave up their day job to pursue their passion and made it work. She reveals how she did it. It's a great story. Hi Nancy. Hi Jo. Thank you for coming on this podcast. You are my third interviewee, the first female, which is great, and probably the most glamorous. <laughs> Sorry Winnie and James, but that's true. And it's actually been quite challenging to find female business owners. One, there's less of them, and two, it's interesting that they've been less willing to come on this podcast. Um, so that's an interesting observation, but definitely not you. You enthusiastically said yes straight away. And I can tell from us in person and on your online classes, you are just so high energy. However, take us back to before Ladies Who Crunch and what you were doing then and how the idea was conceived and how you took it forward. Thank you, Joe, for that lovely intro. And I should say that it sounds like I've been on a massive bender, everyone. I actually haven't. I've just got a little bit of a cold. So my high energy is kind of little bit more muted so if you think I'm high energy now wow. wait till you see me on a good day Joe. wait till you see me <laughs> on a good day so yeah I mean just to go quickly back to the point about um sort of female business owners not yes. putting themselves forward I have a very dear friend who's just started a business and she said something to me I think it's two percent of private equity backed businesses are run by women I'm pretty sure it's really? that small it's it's something that you sort of think that can't be right that data's got to be like slightly off so I'm not surprised to be yeah. honest and it's funny in fitness because actually it is quite generally speaking quite balanced in terms of gender but that is also I think there's like quite a specific female in fitness that is sort of very well known like the Kaylas of the world for right. example and I think that's kind of probably partly why I started my business was because I just didn't really feel there was particularly for strength training, which is my big passion, there was kind of two worlds where you had like CrossFit athletes, who yes. were, um, you know, amazing women who are incredibly strong, very technical, skilled, 
athletes, but it's not that accessible for women like me. You know, I was in a professional job at the time, like I didn't have the time and to be honest, the energy to dedicate to that kind of training. And then on the other hand, you had sort of like almost the workouts my mum would do when I was growing up, like the sort of two, three kg dumbbell Davina at home type workouts. Rosemary Conley was my... <laughs> yeah, like, you know, brilliant and so accessible for that particular demographic. But again, didn't really speak to me as a woman. And I felt so frustrated that most fitness, convers- like the conversation around female fitness was always related to weight and aesthetics as well. So strength training, you kind of felt like you either had to become you know an athlete who was doing these sort of huge physical challenges in the crossfit games i don't know if you ever watched it joe but it's it's amazing but it's like something kind of almost from a tv program you're kind of like how are these people you know functioning as normal human beings and then on the other side it's like you know fat loss fat burn cut shred like if you go on youtube and you type in female fitness i guarantee that all the sort of language around the videos will be predominantly focused on making yourself smaller, shrinking, you know, reshaping yourself in some way. Yeah. And I, yeah, I just felt really sort of uninspired by what was out there. And I got into strength training myself to kind of deal with some mental health challenges I was having at the time. I wasn't happy in the corporate world. It just didn't suit my personality, to be honest with you, Joe. Like, I think some people find peace with that sort of hierarchical structure and the monotony of the kind of, the journey of like you get this promotion then you go here then you go here and I think my energy level just did not suit that at all um and I think I was quite depressed to be honest so strength training had really sort of picked me up right I got a coach and I was just feeling so much better and actually thought I want to do something with this experience and so I started doing my training almost to be honest as a hobby to start with I thought you know great way to spend my weekends so you you hadn't actually ever thought about starting up your own business you thought I'm no going to I just work. thought and very very initially my coach had said to me like I think you'd be great at it Nancy like you're somebody who really loves people and you really engage with people but my confidence was really low at that time like I'd had a, a really rough kind of couple of years mentally so I wasn't in a place where I was like I can't wait to start my own business I was just like I'm going to do this as a really kind of positive action to come out of quite a difficult time. And then as I was training and kind of getting into it, and honestly, Joe, to be honest, on my course, most of the people who were with me on that course were men. um, I just thought there's so much opportunity here because, again, it comes back to, like, if these are, you know, no disrespect to them, but if these are the kind of coaches that are going to go into the industry, there's still a huge opportunity. Like, they're not speaking to me as a potential client. Like, I'm not enjoying the kind of way they're speaking about training and their approach is just very different to kind of how I would like to do things um so I did my training started getting clients and I sort of did it as a yeah a bit of a kind of almost like after work before work type thing for a while that then became unsustainable because I was getting really busy and it was like insane and how did you get your clients your first few clients you know I think having a corporate job was really helpful for me Joe, because people were really supportive and people started sort of spreading the word amongst you know my colleagues and also like their friends you know it's kind of a it's quite a strong network and I think also because I was really focused on women yes women tend to be brilliant Referrers and networkers, yeah, and I think women trust women, generally speaking, you know, especially fitness is very personal and obviously it's really, I think it's quite um, powerful if somebody's had a really positive experience engaging with your business, you know, and they share that with someone else. I think I was very lucky that 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 sort of positive aura started to kind of it just things started to grow quite organically. Naturally, word of mouth, yeah, word of mouth was huge. 
do stuff and I suppose you were working so you didn't have the risk of I need the income yeah it was uh, organic and it could go at your own pace and it was like it was a passion you know it was I love doing it and you kind of got to love it if you're getting up before work people would literally come to my flat I'd move I didn't have a gym at this point so I'd like move my kitchen table have like a mat and some kettlebells we do our workout you know train whoever was coming sort of seven and then I'd literally go upstairs get I mean I did have a shower in the morning by the way but (laughs) I'd literally get changed, you know, pretty much into sort of corporate gear and then go into the office and commute. So, like, the days were getting longer and longer and it was becoming a little bit unsustainable. So I sort of decided at that point I was going to go part-time. And I started working three days a week in my corporate role. And to ask about that... Yeah. How did, was that difficult to achieve that through asking your employer? Um, to be honest, I think I was at a point where if it was going to be a no... I probably would have left because I just think I wasn't I was kind of doing crap on both you know I wasn't wasn't doing great at work and I feel like I wasn't able to sustain a business and give you know my clients the energy and kind of processes that they needed to sort of um to see results so yeah I think it was a bit like take it or leave it really and I think that's actually quite a strong position to be in sometimes because it means you've got a lot less to lose and you're in a stronger negotiating position because if you are happy to walk away yeah it worked out it worked it worked out yeah I think I think the one thing I would say um my big piece of advice on that and I was quite naive about this was and I don't know if this is helpful to people who might be considering it but I'd gone into it thinking that the only option for me salary wise was pro rata Mm-hmm. and that I would have to essentially look at my salary for the year five days a week cut it down to three and that was the figure and that's just not the case you can negotiate some for your time in the business and I think I mean that took me way too long to realize but essentially I worked out I was being paid less than a graduate was per year on a pro rata basis and I sort of thought about that and thought actually the value I give to the business in three days, it's just got to be worth more to them than yes. that sort of figure. And I think that's a really good. You point. know, it's it's really it's really difficult because you are coming to them asking them kind of for a favour. You know, you're kind of like, please can I go part time? And then you're also going to say, and by the way, I want to get paid X. <laughs> But I think once I'd got that experience under my belt and I'd made it work, I'd made it work for quite a long time, yeah. and then it got to the point where again sort of financially I took run the numbers and I was thinking this this doesn't sit right with me you know and again going back to the point about women and entrepreneurs like we're also not great at asking for money and negotiating on our sort of own behalf so you know I think we all tend to be I'm so sorry like would it be okay if you know I was just wondering and I had a great experience of that I was negotiating with a woman and that went really well, and she was really supportive, and we kind of sat down and did the figures together, and we sort of got to a place that we were both happy with, her obviously representing the business and me representing myself. So I think that's that's definitely... But it, it took me a while, to be honest, Joe, and like, I was I was underpaid for too long in that yeah. situation. Also, you know, my I know my personality. Like, I'm such a goody-goody that I wanted to do really well, so I was just kind of giving, giving them... And then it got to the point that my business um, had sort of grown enough that probably left it too late because I'm overly cautious but I got to the point where I was sort of like you know I can actually this is this is enough of an income and I can see a a way to scale this further I mean that's a great that's a great story because it's a a, it is aspirationally achievable you you didn't take huge huge financial risks 
you side hustled until the point when you were ready to launch it full time mm. and you don't have to take these big big finance put your no, hands on the line no. and everything which often some of these podcasts make take that message and say you know you've got to you've got to take risks and you did but yeah but I, and I think I was in a point in my life when I didn't have I didn't have children I wasn't um married didn't have kind of huge financial overheads um and I think that's also an important point that's kind of easy for me to give that example because I didn't have those constraints at the time um so you know and you can run a business being overly cautious as well yeah yeah exactly and I think I've I've sort of stuck by that I'd say I've got quite an like unusual combination in like how I run my business in that I can be quite brave and make decisions and put myself out there but financially I'm incredibly cautious and I think I have this and I don't know if this is just a female thing or it's just you know running a small business on your own but you do sort of have this constant impending doom that like tomorrow it's all gonna kind of turn to dust and therefore you know don't be too for example I didn't build a website for years because I was like don't need it I you know because word of mouth had been so powerful for me and the initial part of my business was just one-to-one training so I built my, my studio and I had clients coming there and that and your was working studio really was in your house as well. Yeah, yes. yeah. So it's what, exactly it's worth mentioning that. So um, I sort of ex- talk, toyed with a few different options, and initially, obviously, I had the kind of the kitchen training option, which was clearly not <laughs> sustainable. But at that time, financially, that was you know that was the best option for me because the reality of working in fitness as a as a personal trainer is you know you have to most trainers have to work in a commercial gym and you pay rent. And that rent can be really expensive, Jonah. It's thousands of pounds a month. So you need to make sure that you know that's it just makes your overheads really um I think really tough you know because you can't really take any time off you've got these minimums you know hours you've got to hit to make sure that you know you're taking home money to pay your rent your bills etc etc so um I was fortunate enough that I, I did own my flat so I already had sort of you know I guess that um safety to kind of to, to um, renovate that space I had a very small second bedroom I mean it's it is small Joe. <laughs> it's a small space but I had a flatmate at the time and I decided that I was going to ask her to leave and I was going to renovate that and, and make that work but that you know, that that took time but I did go and, and work in other places and try it out but the thing I thought was you know the reason I wanted to do this was to work for myself and actually you know you end up working someone else's brand, rules, etc. And because I'm quite outspoken in kind of my approach to fitness, particularly for women, I think I never I hadn't found another female only gym, so I would be working in mixed spaces. And a lot of the sort of narrative, a bit like I was saying on YouTube, you know, the narrative for female fitness is weight loss, body transformations, 12, 10 week programs. And, and those gyms just want you to sell, sell, sell because it's, you know, lucrative for them to get as many people on those programs as possible. And then of course, you know, sorry, didn't work. What a shame. Bye, next. Yeah, carry yeah. on, carry exactly. on paying me. Carry on paying yeah. me, exactly, till the end of time. You will one day get to this, you know, completely unachievable goal. So just values-wise, we weren't really aligned. So it was just the right decision for me to work on my own. But there's been challenges with that too, you know, because I didn't have anybody to really bounce ideas off. And it was a blessing and a curse in the pandemic because so I'd decided to sort of give it a go full time. I'd run the numbers and I was like, I can make this work. So I resigned and I was leaving my corporate life as such behind at the end of 2019. So January 2020, I was like, woohoo, here we go. 
and and this is like I didn't have any sucrunch crunch at this point. Like that wasn't even an idea. I didn't even. Is it just Nancy Best? Just Nancy Best training. Yeah, and and I had my one to one business. I had some online clients who were doing um, remote training programs. So I had a client who was living in Amsterdam at the time. So I was kind of doing some digital stuff, but it wasn't what it is now. So then, of course, yeah, everything lockdown happened, and I was a little bit unlucky because my all of the lockdown sort of financial support was linked to your previous tax return as a self-employed person Ah. so the year before that obviously I'd had dual income because I had my corporate salary and then I'd had I disclosed obviously the money that I'd made from my fitness business so they were like unfortunately you know there's nothing we could like obviously trying to like get you know loans and 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 it just I was unlucky but actually it was actually such a blessing because it was like I just need to hustle like there's nothing <laughs> like okay make it work and so, so maintain the existing clients you had exactly maintaining so what I did was initially well, do you know what I should first of all say they were all fantastic and they all transitioned to remote training seamlessly Brilliant. they were all really supportive you know and that is when I'm so grateful for the business that I've built because the relationships I have with those women is you know it's it's blood I feel like I, I know we've we've shared so much with each other me as their coach them with me as their you know personal lives etc like it's a very intimate relationship I think that's that was something I was very lucky to have because people knew my situation I know I tried not to be too dramatic about it but I was kind of like you know it would be amazing if we could try and do some remote stuff I suppose there's a bit of a balance when it's a business of playing the sympathy card versus... yeah you exactly don't want to be a pity party and actually also for my ego I don't think that, that would have served me that well you know I kind of and and don't get me wrong some people weren't into it like I did there were clients that I lost because they were just like I'm really sorry Nancy this just is not working for me and that's completely understandable everyone was just it's like almost hard to remember that time but it was just carnage wasn't yeah, it Joe? it was like, for it pretty was much just... everyone yes oh it was sorry to swear it was just such a shit show wasn't it it really was so yeah so I kept that going and then I basically made a free Facebook group for all my clients and all my kind of mates and their mates and I started doing some classes on there just as a kind of value to say thank you to my clients yep. for being loyal to me and I started that right at the beginning so it must have been probably was it March we went into lockdown March yes. April yeah. time I think yeah. Um, and I ran it for free April, May, and then, and it had grown, I was getting a lot of good feedback and kind of creating a little bit of a sort of product that was, you know, this online community for women only, strength training focus, very, very much kind of focus on looking after yourself in the pandemic. So no, you know, don't be, you know, don't be a fat cow, you know, don't eat this. Because there was so much of that. Again, it's easy to forget that, Joe, but, like, there was a lot of negativity towards women in the pandemic. You know, women are getting fat, women are, like, it was horrible, horrible narratives, and loads of fitness people, I think, were sort of profiting off that, to be honest, because people were starting to panic about the fact their routine was without the window, they were sitting at their desk, you know, trying to juggle, like, having a family and then cooking, and, like, it was just a very stressful time, I think, for women in particular. Yes. Um, so this was just quite a positive space and, and it was kind of growing, you know, in, in orga- again, organically. Um, and then I decided to, to ask people to pay, to, to basically make it into something, you know, more formal that I would actually create a programme for and we would sort of have a bit of a plan. Because, you know, in the beginning it was quite 
to be honest, it was a bit haphazard, you know, it's a bit like, okay, guys, there's classes this week, like, come if you want, you know, it was just so, it was just a bit made up, really, and then I was like, no, this actually means, that there's, there's appetite for this, you know, and I'd wanted to think about something online for ages, but in a way, the pandemic sort of forced me to do that. Is that when you came up with the name Ladies Who Cry? Yeah, 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 so I'd, I'd kind of played with that phrase before, and I think I told you I had this great friends of mine who came to the park and sort of when I was really early on in my fitness sort of journey trying to become a coach like they came and did you know a few park workouts with me and we sort of jokingly called it Lady Sue Crunch but actually then it kind of became a uh, yeah a proper kind of brand and yeah it's very very good name very good name well it's it's so fitting for the women that I serve because it's professional women who kind of 25 to 45 rough that's the sort of average age although there's older younger as well but it's women who've just got really busy lives and they choose to get on with that. And they, you know, fitness is a, is a part of their identity, but it's not their be all and end all. And it's something that they come to for positive reasons, not because they want to punish themselves or get themselves, you know, make themselves smaller. It's it's very much about kind of giving back to themselves when they've got a lot of other, to be honest, more important things going on in their lives, whether that's raising a family, running businesses, dealing with like poorly relatives. You know, there's just, every woman has got so much complexity in her life and I think it's become such a holistic space in that sense you know and I've really tried to grow I guess those other elements of the community over time the workouts obviously still the kind of the center the nucleus of what the product is but there's a lot of other things in there too now and I think that's something I'm really proud of because it's quite different you know a lot of fitness subscriptions are well you know that they are what they say on the tin and that's brilliant but actually your relationship with your body as a woman is so much more complicated than just, oh, do do some exercise and, you know, target your bum, target your arms or whatever. Like, you know, it's... I think that that relationship with yourself is always going to be complicated at any stage of your life. And I think as much as I can sort of create, yeah, these these add-on bits to it, the, hopefully the longer that it will continue to be a sustainable product that people like and they, you know, they want to stay in the community. And it's been brilliant. I mean... I sort of, again, mentioned to you before we chatted on this podcast, but, you know, people have really built relationships and they recognise each other now when we have events and it's just brilliant. brilliant. And you mentioned even their sort of introducing each other job opportunities. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like really, because it's, you know, the community has grown, but it's also still quite small. We've got 74 members at the moment. So there's enough intimacy there that I don't know every single person really really well obviously there's lots of women there that I've never met before if they haven't been able to come to events or I've got ladies who live in America for example who've joined so you you've had people from America sign up to your community yeah yeah it's amazing how do you think they found you I honestly I think Instagram and again word of mouth so the referral network is really strong um which I'm really lucky you know to have because again it, it, it just it kind of just means that you've got such a clear identity in the community and a set of shared values and I think that's also quite unique because often like if you join your local gym in a brilliant way you've got people coming there for all sorts of different reasons yes. whereas actually Ladies Who Crunch is quite a clear identity I think as it's someone was like the other day you know it's it's kind of a cult, and I was like, it kind of is. <laughs> well, I mean, in a good way, you know. The way our sort of shared friend talked about it, it was, or talked about you and Ladies Who Crunch, it was a bit absurd. <laughs> yeah, Joe was like, oh God, <laughs> I'm just going to start burning these candles, Joe. <laughs> Look into my eyes. No. That's yeah, brilliant. And it's... you said you, you want to build it, but not to make it too big, the community. Yeah, sorry, I was going to say, I was just going to say on that that um, it means that 
when I've known someone's looking for work or is going through a transition or particularly actually um, there's a great network of mums returning to work because that's a really stressful and quite um, isolating time for a lot of women and it's brilliant to be able to connect other women who are super ambitious, who've had pretty senior roles, you know, really kind of flourished in their careers, taken time out to have a baby and actually they want to get back to work and they need to meet other women who are going to really support them in that and, and give and them tips brilliant. and stuff, you yeah. know, because... I, you know, I haven't had children, but I do think that's a really, it's a minefield to navigate. It's a really difficult time. People have got a lot of unsisted opinions about how you should return to work, part-time, full-time, blah, blah, blah. You know, you don't need me to tell you I, this. I don't. do know that. <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? People really have got a lot of views on that. That's brilliant. So that's, it's been really nice to sort of facilitate those kind of conversations and connections, I think. So you had you had a clear vision because it's what you wanted, but that vision, you've, you've kept it pretty clear. I guess you've had some doubters along the way and opinions and things but you've just been super focused yeah I I think that's true I think that is true um for better or for worse I think you know sometimes it's sometimes I find it a little bit difficult to stand strong in that because I know that commercially for me it would probably be a a lot more lucrative to go in a different direction or to have perhaps multiple products that I offer I know for example some you know brilliant women in fitness who have these huge businesses that are very focused on you know that that sort of more aesthetic type of focus training but it just doesn't sit with my values and it's just not I don't feel excited about it I don't feel inspired by it and I think authenticity is just it's just natural I just I, I'm not even trying you know what I mean I don't I, it's just like it's what I wanted to find so it fits with you um, yeah, it does. It does. And I and I've been doing strength training for so long now that it's you know, it's such a big part of my like week and my life. I just I can't really imagine giving all of that up to try to sell people you know, a shred type program. It's just not for me and it, it just wouldn't I just don't think it would work to be honest. And people, just, people would be like, "What has happened to you? Yeah, you've sold your soul." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I th- I, I'm quite aware of the strength training actually and, and I think there's a movement towards that as Definitely. well. Definitely. But there is enough in the marketplace if you want to build this sustainable community and again it's aspirationally achievable. A hundred members paying you know a certain amount a month that's mm. a nice income for you. Mm. I, I know you took on someone recently did, didn't yeah, you? Yeah so it's this is actually a lovely um, sort of moment for me as a business owner because I think going back to my caution I've always tried to do everything myself to save cash and that's actually I really don't recommend it not only because you know we're not good at everything but also because you can end up wasting so much of your valuable time and energy on things that you know what it's just going to take away from the core from the core kind of value that you can add to the business and going you know the website example I was like I don't want to spend money on a website I don't need it and then of course the moment I had a website I was like oh my god this is so much better I should have done this you know and I paid a proper agency to do it and now I work with them on a kind of project basis and they're brilliant they know me really well they know my business like we've got such a great working relationship and I was approached this summer by a lady that I used to work with in my old job and she was actually going to go freelance and do sort of assistant admin type work. Um, and she's brilliant, super creative and like has so many strings to her bow. And she said, would you consider maybe, you know, an hourly rate? So rather than becoming a full time employee, I can charge you for my hours, which works perfectly for me. And if you're somebody who is thinking about starting a business and there's particular skills that you need, there's so many brilliant freelancers who will charge you per hour. And I think it's hard at the beginning when you're not used to spending in the business. You know, I'm, I'm quite like... I'm always reinvesting back, so yes. I'm always um, 
looking at ways that I can give back to reward loyalty because I think that's a really important part of my value system I don't take anybody for granted and I want them to know that you know I've got members who've been there for two years like those people are the lifeblood of my business I wouldn't have my business same with my client base you know three year I've got one client who next year is going to be four years of training together you know these people have spent a lot of money in my business and it's really important to me that I give back to them and I think when you're in that headspace, it's quite scary to be spending almost, not frivolous, frivolously, but, you know, you sort of feel like, am I going to get value for this? Am I going to get value for this? And actually, you've got to let go of that a little bit, because even if you can't tangibly touch and see what those actions are immediately, I have no doubt that since I've hired her, I think I've just, I think I've just been better at my job. I think I'm, I think it's helping me unlock other opportunities and feel more, just kind of creative energy as well because when you're doing everything on your own and you're trying to do it all to a high standard you just you're gonna burn out you get you just naturally did you have anyone to bounce ideas off that I mean I guess you had lots of friends and family yeah I've never had a particularly strong network within fitness to be honest um I was part of a um community of coaches which was brilliant during the pandemic but actually values wise a lot of those trainers were quite different to me and kind of their motivations around fitness and and sort of health and things and and I think I think a lot of people go into fitness thinking they're going to make loads of money really quickly there's like this sort of fake news really that that is a great way to make money because you know it sort of seems like oh the hourly rate you know for being a personal trainer is like so brilliant but it's really hard to maintain a business and it's a really demanding job on your emotional state because you are it's going to be a good day every day. You know, your job is to always be on form. and Like a DJ, like a radio DJ. Exactly, exactly. Like, like you go, How are you so happy all the time? Exactly, <laughs> exactly that. That's spot on. A bit like a teacher, I think, as well. You know, you've got to be so energetic all the time. So, yeah, I, I just felt I, I kind of moved away from that community a bit because I just felt that a lot of those people and I didn't really have the same values there. But, yeah, that's ideas. I mean, I've got an amazing network of friends and family um, and... Yeah, I mean, my partner Tom is also self-employed um, and he works in a completely different industry, but we have so many good conversations about self-employed life. And um, I think I think meeting him, I actually only met him last year, but I think going through the last year as two sort of s- small business entrepreneurs, for a better word, has actually been so helpful for both of us because it's quite... Um, can be quite lonely. People who have really solid income and have worked for businesses for 10, 20 years, you almost, I think it's only once you come out of that world that, you know, you can go to bed at night knowing that, like, unless something terrible happens to the company, like, you're going to be... You're always going to get that. You're always going to get that, exactly. And particularly, you know, the big thing that's on my mind at the moment is actually looking ahead to perhaps starting a family. And that's going to be quite a challenge for me I think financially to kind of work through in terms of how do I make sure that the business that I've worked so hard to build doesn't yeah. fall away you know and particularly do you have any ideas around no no look I'm, I, I think it's really again it's like something women don't speak about enough I think the big thing for me is I want to give myself options so I'm actually thinking about freezing my eggs and looking yeah. at that investment mm-hmm. um because I think it will take the pressure off me making a rush I feel like I'm sort of really I'm running now. Yes. Like the business is in a good place and I can see... And how old are you? I'm, I've just turned 30. I turned 30 in August. So I've got, you know, I've got a good kind of window of time. Yeah. But also I've got lots of clients who've had, you know, challenges with their fertility journey. Yeah. And I'm not naive to the fact that, you know, no one's immune to that. Yeah. And I don't want to be in a position where 
if I want to have children at some point, I haven't got that yeah. choice or that opportunity. But I think that's something that as a self-employed woman is quite a unique challenge because if your income is... Based on you. Based on you, exactly. You have to bear that in mind. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really confident that I'll come up with a solution for it. And I think having people who work in your team, and I've got an amazing yoga teacher who has joined those who crunch and she does sessions. And, you know, there's definitely... I could just keep, you know, maybe keep taking on kind of ad hoc coaches and stuff. But particularly for my running my gym, my day-to-day coaching business, you know, that is... I don't want to stop that. That's Those are yes. my clients and yeah. my... my sort of my baby you know that's that's a big that was kind of where my whole business began so I think I would I'm, I'm too much of a control freak Joe to just be like oh yeah you can work with you know I guess a lot Sally of, over here yeah. like I'll be back in five months a lot of it is you are you are the linchpin and you are the the brand and that you are the personality that everyone's buying really but... I don't know I feel I, I you know it's funny like, I think there's so much ego in that like I do think sometimes you've got to remember that you as a person are easily replaceable to people well, that's, that's probably true. more the con- that's probably more <laughs> my <laughs> control comes in that I worry that I would be replaced, you know. Because I think may I, mean, I think I think that's not you know I'm not trying to be fake humble and I, you're right yeah definitely. But I also think fitness is really fickle, and I think people I feel really proud of the retention that I have across all elements of my business because it's actually quite unusual. There's a big churn rate in gyms in kind of training programs etc and most coaches are quite comfortable with that but my value system is so aligned to loyalty because it's how I I'm a Leo like it's a big part of my personality I've got I've had the same friends for 30 years so you know that's what fills me up with my business to know that those people I'm you know we're maintaining that relationship for the long haul so I think that's probably where I may be a bit insecure. I'm worried that, you know, perhaps if I was to go on that leave, you know, they'd all be like, okay, bye. And then uh, I don't know. I don't know. But I'll have to cross that bridge. An interesting thing about that is, you know, you've got these big online communities, like, you know, you've got Peloton now, mm. and there's some other on home Fit fitness. Is big, Fit. Yeah. Yeah. But actually, again, is there a space for more of a local, even though it's in the World Wide Web and it's huge, but there's mm. a local community within that that. Yeah, you're one of the key brands, but there are other people within that Ladies Who Crunch network. I think there is. I think there is mm. for a, mm. a local community within the huge online space. Yeah, I um, think so. I mean, I think you only have to look at something like Park Run, which I know is a, a big, is a you know, it's a big brand. But like, there's so many mini communities within that. You know, there's like females who meet at Park Runs every week, and they're like ten or twenty women or something who live in a certain area, and they always meet. You know, I think we especially those of us who live in London, we do look to to have that sense of community and network. And I think especially as a woman, you know, it's quite, it's quite intimidating still to walk into a commercial gym space. And I'm always, I love hearing stories of women doing ladies who crunch in kind of big gyms or particularly, I remember a great story about one member went on holiday she was using the hotel gym and she did her workout and this male PT came over to her after and was like, whoa, like that looked like a you know big workout. What were you doing? And she was like, ladies, you crunch. Sorry, you can't do it. And like kind of like sashayed off, you know. And it's just, yeah, I think that's that's where community is also really powerful because you kind of feel inspired knowing that other real women are actually doing these sessions and, you know, sharing their stories of sleepless nights with a baby or, you know, whatever it might be or like a horrible day at work. And people write a lot in the community because I run it through Facebook, so it's got a brilliant tool for sort of sharing stories and connecting in that way, and I think that's the thing that's quite unique about it, because to your point about Peloton, I mean, I my dad's got a Peloton, I've done it quite a few times, and I think it's brilliant, but 
or you can you can just send high fives. That's all I know that you <laughs> from, from my knowledge of Peloton. That's that's your connection mode, and you can see who else is on it. But you know, it's it's hundreds of thousands of people. You know, even if you and I did it at the same time, we may not even know it because it's so saturated yeah. with members. And I think it's quite nice to know, kind of be able to feel that. You know, if I I always think people say with community, can you imagine a room being filled with those people? You know, and that's kind of how I would classify an authentic community. That's you know, you don't good. need to have a sort of yeah, an island to fill all of the community because it's just not, you know, it's just not. It doesn't, it's like big businesses. It's why people like working for small companies because they feel part of something. And, you know, Ladies Who Crunch, it, it is the, the members. Like, ultimately, we've had some people who joined for a couple of days and hated it. And it's it's just like, you're not right for it. Like, it's not for you. And that's why there's women who've still been there, you know, for 18 months, two years, a year, what you know, however long, because maybe also partly related to the pandemic, I think fitness has moved on a lot in a really positive way. And yeah, hopefully it will continue to sort of sustainably maintain that atmosphere in, in kind of the next iteration, which to be honest, you know, someone was asking the other day, you know, what's, what's next? And actually it's more of the same. It's just making it better and better. I just did a survey a couple of weeks ago with the members just to kind of find out what they're loving, what they want to see more I mean, of, less brilliant. of. brilliant. And I, you don't get many personal trainers going, can, can you survey me? Yeah. I think it's it's really important to keep tapping into what people want. And the really positive news was the kind of headline of the survey was just crack on, you know, more of the same, bit more of this, bit less of this, you know, make this better, make this... But a hundred, one of the questions in the survey was, do you think Ladies Who Crunch is good value for money? And 100%, literally 100% of the members voted yes. And I was like, that for me is just, that's the, that is just everything. Because actually I wouldn't, I wouldn't want anybody to be investing in something. You know, it's, it, all of us at the moment, especially are making tough decisions on budget. And I want something that people are like, no, that's a priority yes, to budget yes. for. Got to stay, you know, that's, that's that's success to me you know and, and actually getting to 100 is a lovely nice to have but i'm i'm happy it's like it's it's great you've, you've had some really good press coverage so my old job was in pr so i've been in a really fortunate position that i have quite a good sort of almost inside knowledge of how that whole um world works with sort of pitching and stuff um i'm also really lucky that i have members who work in that industry too and they've been really good at pitching stories for me and spotting opportunities and helping me out basically because i don't have the budget to pay an agency to do that yet um and actually you know the funny thing about pr is you realize it is a lot about relationships and um i've tried to yeah to sort of build my own relationships i've got some you know actual friends now who are journalists who work in that kind of health and well-being space but if you know my advice to somebody who's thinking about trying to get some coverage i think that the really important thing to remember about particularly media coverage is from my experience it doesn't actually drive sales but what it does drive is authority and if you've got a pool of people who have perhaps been watching your brand or you're watching your business and they're kind of it's that jab jab hook phrase which is they're kind of watching 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 and then they see that piece land or they read about you somewhere else or they've heard about you and then they suddenly see that piece in the telegraph or the guardian or whatever that can then convert them and that's what the value i think is because i remember my first piece i was so disappointed because it was this big whole feature about ladies who crunch and stylists and i was absolutely buzzing like my parents and i like we had a drink at like 12 like you know like it was like a big moment for me 
and nothing happened. Like, as in, like, you know, people were like, woo, great. But I was like, where are my sales? Where are my leads? And then about two months later, when I was doing my membership um, push, you know, and saying, right, sign-up time is now, suddenly people started coming through the door, and actually some of them would be like, oh, I'd read that ask, you know, a couple of months before. So I think it's one of those things you've got to remember that it's quite a slow burn, you know, and those things can feel quite frustrating and a bit disheartening at the time because you think, what? I'm not going to be a multi-millionaire. Like, why hasn't that worked? I think that's a real, the real interesting bit about marketing is you just mm. have to put energy out there, energy out there in lots of different mm. ways, mm. and then it will start to repay. And I think the resilience you need to keep going is is quite key. Like, I think that's where I've had therapy for like the last sort of eighteen months, and that's been brilliant because it's where I sort of top up my resilience level to be able to. I don't do it every week. I do it sort of um, every co- like couple of times a month now, but it just kind of gives you that boost back of like your self-awareness and your self sort of confidence again, really, because, you know, as you say, like it's, you've got to, you've got to do quite a lot of things like that you might, that are out of your comfort zone that you might not really feel like doing. And you just got to be like, okay. What is out of your comfort zone? God, so much stuff, Joe. I mean, the finances of the business is massively out of my comfort zone. I think my, my accountant will be, like, tearing his hair out, being like, oh, God, she's so close. I'm always so close to the wire, Joe, on my tax return. It's, like, the day before. I'm like, hi, Keith, I've sat on my tax return. Um, the finances, definitely. Like, I, it's taken me a while to get into a good place with, like, forecasting and being able to make strong decisions about where to invest my money um, from a business perspective. Um, tech, terrible. Which is ironic, given that my business is predominantly digital, but it's really not my strong suit. I get very frustrated with it, and I think that's something where I know that if I wanted to perhaps move off Facebook and build my own platform, I would definitely be hiring an entire team of experts for that. And I think actually, probably the resilience piece is is where I like. Sometimes I find if I put myself out there that it just feels it's like I've got to, I've got to work doubly hard to get myself back up you know like if something hasn't quite gone quite right or I've messed up like even with the survey you know I had some feedback in there that hit me quite hard um some members felt I think a bit left out because they don't have children and they felt that like the narrative had become there had been some assumptions made you know I, I like I was really upset about it because it's really not you know my intention and I don't have children either and I would hate for someone to feel like less than you know because that wasn't in their journey so I think that was out of my comfort zone because I had to sort of read that feedback and be like, oh, okay, I'm going to have to like deal with that and, and front it off and, and make, perhaps make some changes, you know, to certain things. Is your life now or you're running your business now much better than the position? I mean, it's pretty obvious actually that you're going to no, say yes. No, but you know, but... It's, it's like, it's not for everyone. I, I do think that there's this like sort of fake glamour around being an entrepreneur. Like, I don't know if this is going to, relate to anyone who's listening to this but I sort of had a look at some of these female entrepreneur uh, like networks like Albright and you know it was sort of glamorized women in stilettos you know kind of having a matcha latte you know flipping open their laptops looking you know blow-dried and perfect the reality of running a business as a woman like it doesn't look like that like I'm literally sat at my desk in my pjs like you know it's not it's brilliant but it's also like I think we need to say you know acknowledge more that like entrepreneur life isn't for everybody and there's definitely pros and cons and there are sometimes when it comes to things like maternity leave or a pension where I think god it'd be so much easier if I didn't have to think about this but 95% of the time it's just the best thing I've ever done and I can't it's almost like I can't even remember my old me like I think I'm a different 
I think I'm a different person, you know, in my, in my mental health, in my, in my relationships with also my like personal life. I just think because people around me have been so supportive, my mates, my family and everything, it's brought us closer together because you can't, especially if you don't have a big network within your industry, which I don't, I think those people are key. And my, like my two best mates have been so important for Ladies Who Crunch. Like they just, they always message me if I get a win, they are always watching everything, you know, they just like, you know what it's like with female mates, it's just like you can't even, you can't even put it into words, but those people are there. Because, you know, I, I had, had a, like this time last year, I was with somebody who left me really suddenly. We were just about to buy a house and it kind of all went to pot, like really, really sort of suddenly and wasn't, it wasn't a very easy time. And it's very difficult to run a business when you're going through personal crisis like that, because you've got to get up every day and be like, hey, and I'm not heartbroken. I'm not heartbroken at all. <laughs> My life's literally not in tatters at all. Um, and those two were like straight over, you know, to the flat straight away, like there every night, like, right, sorting out, getting ready for the start, like just everything. They were just brilliant. And I just, I think that's also the big part of entrepreneurship. You need your people, you need your network otherwise, because it's never going to be a completely sort of, you know, smooth upward tra- trajectory. It's going to have different challenges. You know, my friend who's just, I've mentioned at the beginning, who's just started her business she lost her mum a couple of years ago you know and it's it's like at the time she was in full-time employment and that was so much better you know she had the stability of that at the time I think she wouldn't have been able to start her business back then and you need to be in obviously you can never anticipate your personal life but I think that's something that I when I when it got sort of pulled the rug got pulled under me I was like gosh I've been I was in a at the time as I started I was in that steady relationship and that was definitely really important just to keep things that's you know, on the, yeah, okay. on the straight and narrow. Because, you know, you can, you can, I'm sure there's lots of people who do it, single living in countries that don't have their family nearby or anything, but I think those people have a level of resilience that I just, I just don't have that, Joe. I just need, I'm really close to my family, for example, you know, I just, I just would need to have them nearby, I think, for those, you know, the days when you're just thinking, is this a business? Like, <laughs> Am I legitimately a trading company? Is this all right? Am I going to be all right here? And it's always fine, but yeah. Oh, it's such a lovely story. And yes, I, I would be one of those people that be part of your community and, and your energy is amazing. I'm oh, thank so you for having me, inspired, Jo. inspired, actually. So inspired. Thanks, Joe. Really nice to hear. <laughs>